<coughs> shut up, shut up, and you dare, shut up, shut up, and you dare, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, and you dare, shut up, shut up, and you dare. Welcome to Earn Your Death. Good morning, Robin. Hey, morning, Mike. How are you? I'm, uh, wake. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Oh, fuck off. I'm waking up. It is nine, it is 10 o'clock here. We're three hours different. It's a beautiful day. You know that? It's going to be a beautiful day. It's going to be a day. I'm feeling great. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm, I feel great right now. Okay. How do you feel? I'm getting there. You know, just one more sip of coffee and we'll, we'll kick this off. All right. That's damn good. You know, I make really good coffee, by the way. Do you, are you an I espresso? You are. Espresso every morning. No, no, no. I just, I just make regular, I make a regular pot of coffee. No frills. You're, you're a drip, drip cup. Wow. It's still the most mind blowing thing to me. Why? I don't know. I mean, I have to go downstairs and get coffee. I don't have to. I, I just do. I couldn't exist without being able to make coffee in the morning. Mm. I'm really, mm. I'm really good at it. That's good. It's a good, honest cup. <laughs> It's honest days of work of coffee. You, you know, the secret is is just beans. Interesting. And do you buy um, the beans that have been crushed already? Or do you crush the beans? What do you do with the beans? I, I crush them myself. Okay. Is crush the right, right word here? It's a fine word. We all know what it means. Okay. But you just got to use a ton of them. All right. They should be, That's o- a lot of beans. They should be oily as shit. Okay. Italian or French. All right. And you just got to use a ton of them. You can get into that. And coffee needs to be black like tar. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't get about these fancy little third wave bullshit coffee places. Right. The Cortados of the world. You can see right through it. You can see right through it. Yeah. And you know that that pour over shit that they're that they're selling to you now? Oh yeah, I know that stuff. Yeah, that's the sh- that's the way we used to make coffee in college. Mm. When we when we couldn't afford coffee makers and you had to get the little <laughs> the little plastic thing that you put on top of the mug. Interesting. And now they're selling it to you as a fancy thing. It's another thing that we've stolen from poor people. And now we and now we sell that for like 10 bucks a cup. That's that's impressive. I get that. And idiots pay that. You know, when I was in college, uh, I, I used to make this Easy Mac with my friend Joel, who I was, lived with in college. And um, we used to, to not put water in it. We used to make the, the mac and cheese with uh, Orla vodka. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's delicious. We tried it with ramen. It wasn't as good, but Orla vodka mac and cheese. That was that was my college life. That is interesting. I'm going to try that. It, w- it was great. It was good. You know, uh, I had a week, Mike. What happened, Robin? I feel like every time we open up this thing, I say like, hey, Mike, I've had a week. You, you do. And there's audio evidence of that. Which is great. I mean, I'm glad everybody still sticks around when, when I say that uh, I've had a week. Um, no, I've had a week. I've had an interesting week. I, I've been... Um, By the way, read- we sound like Pooh and Eeyore on this episode. Because <laughs> I'm the bright one. Am I Eeyore? No. <laughs> is Pooh the bright one? You're the excitable one. And I have a feeling you're about to shove your fist in a jar of honey for me. <laughs> uh, so I'm Pooh in this situation, huh? <laughs> That's right. All right. Great. Uh, I was, uh, Ooh, I now I don't, Ooh, now I'm nervous. Now I'm nervous, Mike. I was doing great. Now I'm nervous. Get that honey. <laughs> my, my friend Kate came by earlier this week and they gave me like a, a, a thing of British honey. Um, so I, I have to eat that later today. All right. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so I've been redesigning my portfolio this week, Mike. Why are you doing that? Cause I need a job. Okay. So, uh, and it's time. Like I, I 
I fell in the trap of one of those designers who was like, I'm above this. I'll have a portfolio that just says text of shit that I'm just working on. And I, and I let that be for a couple of years. And now I'm like, that was not a good idea. So now I'm making one. I'm telling people what I've done. And it is an interesting process. Go on. I feel like browsing a portfolio, if you're like a manager or anything like that, it is the the definition of understanding that uh, you're looking at somebody at their most vulnerable. Like whenever I look at a portfolio, I'm like, this is as as most vulnerable as they've ever been. And this is the time that like I'm looking at them and seeing what they want in life. And that from a process of making is very weird. So I I, uh, I set it up, right? And I spent a long time trying to figure out like, like I have this one page, right? And it's like writing and design. I spent like a day thinking, should writing be above design or should design be above writing? What will it say to the world if I put writing above design? It's the most useless conversation that I'm having internally, but I'm doing it. Why are you? So why are you having it if you know it's useless? That's a great question. And I mean, don't people always do that though? They have conversations that they don't think that they should have, but they have them anyway in their head. Yeah. And that's why we have friends. Hmm. So you ask me and I say, Robin, why the fuck are you having that conversation if you think it's useless? That's a great question. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, it's the one that I had with myself throughout the week. And then I, you know, revised case studies and I'm working on them. And every time I touch it, I'm just like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Uh-huh. Oh, that move was, uh, uh, why did I do that? That was horrible. It's, it's it, always been, it's just like, it, you know, putting, putting together a portfolio site is like calling all of your exes. <laughs> yeah. It's like calling every single one of your exes and some you've ended with good and some of you've ended with bad. Right. Right. And, and like reliving all, all of the trauma of all, all those projects, all those relationships. And, and it's like, right. All those meetings. Right. And, and, and all you're doing is you're auditioning for, right. for a new future ex. Exactly. Which is, it's a, it's a, it's a truly fun experience. It's a, it's a weird feeling. I think, I mean, even when I write the work, I'm like, Oh, some of that was smart. And then sometimes I'm like, Jesus, that was not smart. But the great thing I've learned about having a writing portfolio is you just put links to the writing. You don't uh-huh. talk about it. You just like, here's a link. This is what I wrote. It feels great. Cool. It's much different for design. Why? What kind of job are you looking for? It's uh, a good question, Mike. I think I'm looking for a job. You know, one of those job things. One of those paying jobs. Yeah. You know, one of those things that I can do. The kind of job that comes comes with like rent coupons every couple of weeks. Yeah, just a coupon. I don't need cash. Just the actual rent coupon. <laughs> I actually, I give that to my landlord now. I don't I don't hand cash over. Yeah. Hey, Mike, when was the last time you made a portfolio? Oh my god. Well, it depends. It depends how I define me. All right. Like I think we could say meal at this point. Yeah. I mean, for the shop, we're kind of in the, in the middle of doing one right now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Are you at liberty to discuss? Oh no, it's super top secret, and you know it shouldn't. <laughs> NDA forever. Oh God! Um, I see. You thought you were going to be the wing person on this on this podcast. You're the number one. It. I was hoping. No, every 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 few years we just raise it to the ground and rebuild it. Mm, I think that's a smart idea. Yeah, I mean, I believe in 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 killing things. Same. I believe that death is natural, mm-hmm. and uh, that new things can't grow until all the old things are dead. Right. The forest taught us this. Of course. So every couple of years, we go through the site, kill it, mm-hmm. and we decide, okay, what's, what's, the, what's the 
absolute most important thing that we need people to know. Right. And then we put that in. Okay. And then we ask ourselves if we're done because one, we're lazy. Right. And two, you don't really fucking need a lot. True. Honestly. So what's the goal of your portfolio website? It's pretty much to tell people what you're looking for and what you can do. Mm, Nope. That is not a goal. What's your goal? The goal of your portfolio website is to get in somebody's is to get in somebody's door. Sure. Yes. Right. That too. Yeah. Because nobody worth their salt is going to hire you based on your on your on your portfolio website. That'd be dumb. A hundred percent. Yes. Right. True. So you apply for a job or somebody hears about you and wants to poach you or whatever. Sure. The first thing they do is they they Google your name online. They fall into your portfolio website. They look at right. it. For, they look at it for about five minutes. Right, if that, if that, and the only decision they're 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 making is is if they want to talk to you. Do I want to talk to this? Do I want to talk to this person, or do I not? Right. So gear everything in that site to answer that one question. Hmm. I think uh, the interesting part of that is it's twofold at this point. It's a mix between them deciding if they want to talk to me, but also me deciding if I want to talk to them, right? Right. That's, that's the relationship. Yeah, but you don't know that they want to talk to you at this point. So you can't, sure. you can't decide that right? Un- until you're talking to them. Mm. How do people who make their portfolio have the upper hand in this conversation? Because it feels like the people who make the portfolio are already sort of not the most powerful one in the dynamic. Well, I mean, the way that you get any sort of upper hand in that situation is you make sure that you... so. The question that your portfolio should answer while you're making it is not what have I done, mm. but what do I want to do next? Mm. So if you're answering what have I done with your portfolio, you're going to be doing that again. Mm. That's a smart answer, Mike. If if you answer what do I want to do next, then those are the kind of calls that you're you're most more likely to get. Mm. So that's how you get the power in the relationship is you you know what you want. Right. So when you tell me that you're putting writing before you're putting your writing stuff before your design stuff, <laughs> you're telling me something. That's by intent. Right. So you yeah. just told me that you would rather write than design stuff, which is absolutely fine and good. It's great. It's great. Yeah. But that that doesn't mean that you can't do the other too, right? Exactly. Like that's how that works. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so I had this conversation this week, right? And, and sort of... It wasn't supposed to be a thing that weirded me out, but it did. I wrote some freelance copy for this sort of big company and I sent it over and they loved it. And I was like, oh, great. And they sent, somebody sent me back this note of just like, wow, you're, you're a really talented writer. And I was like, thanks. They're like, and this was like a design shop. And for a moment I was like, if they tell me I'm a talented writer, does that mean that I'm not a talented designer anymore? I had that miserable loop in my mind for like, 24 hours. Well, I it was incredible. Yeah. It was great. It was horrible. I think all designers need to be able to write. Of course. That's like a part of the gig. But people get angry when I say that. I don't get that. No, people get angry a lot. I feel like people get angry at you a lot. Well, yeah. And and, and they all... People love me. They love Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> Go on, Igor. People do get angry at me a lot. It's fine. It really bothers me because I love you. What what bothers you? That people are mad at you? Ah, that bothers me. That's fine. That doesn't bother you? You know, first off, thank you for your friendship. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for yours. Because I get I get where that where that feeling is coming from. Uh-huh. But you know, if you spend your whole day thinking about what other people are thinking about you, 
It's a whole lot of time devoted to other people. That is a lot of time. So you only focus on you. No, no, that's <laughs> Sorry, <fuck> you. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. You know, as RuPaul says, please, I know that you're a giant RuPaul fan. Massive. As am I. Uh, what other people think about you is none of your business. Mm. That RuPaul knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to live my life, mm-hmm. which means, you know, being hopefully a kind and decent person thinking about, yeah. thinking about, you know, how my actions affect other people. Right. But at the end of the day, like if I've pissed somebody off because of something I said within those parameters of trying to be a good, decent person. Right. Like, you know, if I spend my whole day saying like, you know, fuck you, Robin, you're a loser and it pisses you off. Right. I mean, then I'm just, then I'm an asshole. Sure. I agree. But, you know, if we're having a conversation and you're showing me something that you made or something you wrote and, you know, I I give you some honest criticism about how it could be better and that upsets you, I care that you're upset because you're my friend. Mm. But what I, but we can't get into is a situation where I won't tell you those things because it upsets you. Right. That would be an unhealthy dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Now, I could and should, like, if I see that I'm keep trying to give you this feedback and it's upsetting you. Mm. Could give it in a different way. I could, I could, you know, sit down. Well, how can I, how can I tell Robin this stuff right. in a way that gets through without upsetting her? Because I don't want to upset you, mm. but I still... Like, as a friend, I have to give you this feedback. Right. You need to know that I know something. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so if either of us started doing, like, like dangerous life shit. Right. I would expect that both of us would sit, would sit the other one down and say, dude. What's going on? What the, what are you doing? You got to stop, you got to stop doing this to yourself. That's a smart friend. And yeah. And figure out a way to do this that actually gets through to the other person. And here's the thing that I think is important. And uh, the thing that I, I, I need to tell myself regularly is that even though everything it feels like in the world, news cycle, the whole world collapsing, like that core human stuff, I think is the first thing that we forget. And it's the first thing that I forget, right? It's the first thing where like, if I'm mentally healthy, I'm good. Somebody is just like, oh, this is great. I don't automatically think like, oh, that means that they think this is bad. Like that's just, that's, that's on me. And there's this bit here where when everything can get, be like so loud and bad and annoying and you open up Twitter and you open up Instagram and it's like nothing good, it's hard to remember that very human things. And I have such a difficult time with that. So that, I mean, that for me is like sort of the, the takeaway here is that uh, it ain't easy to remember to be a human being in these situations. But I think it's also probably the most important thing too. I think we all need to remember that everybody is just kind of barely holding their shit together right now. Right? Like everybody. Yeah. And keep that in mind when you're having interactions with people. Totally. It's like, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Like, did I say something to Robin and did she snap when I say right. it? Well, right. keep in mind that Robin's just barely holding their shit together right now. Sure. And, and snapping might not be totally about you. Right. So let's give each other a little leeway. I think we forgot to do that. This isn't about me. We're using me as a figurehead here. But like, I think people in general forgot to do that. Well, Robin, uh, since we're talking about it, let's go back I'm to- very, I'm very well put together. I would just like to say that for the earn your death listeners. I'm the most put together person on the planet. Oh, yeah. Clearly. <laughs> Is that not obvious to these conversations how well put together I am? Wow. You got your shit together, girl. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it.
I feel like the the coffee I'm drinking has cocaine in it. It's very it's a very vibrant cup of coffee. Oh fuck, this cup is empty. <laughs> Should we? I could do the infamous like doot doot little moment where you go get another cup. No, that's fine. We can do it. Let's hammer it home. All right. All right. What was the the best thing that happened to you this week, Mike? Best thing that happened to me. Yeah. Shit. You know what? I can't even remember. <laughs> That's the number one thing you're supposed to remember. Yeah, I know. Is it? So the way this shit piles up lately. Yeah. The best thing that happens to you during the week. Right. Kind of just gets forgotten. It, it gets forgotten and it just kind of lifts you off from the bottom just a little bit. That's bad. Oh, it's not good. It's definitely not good. The best thing that happened to me this week, I, uh, I had a, a rough Thursday and I, I called some friends and I talked to them and it felt fantastic. It was, it was a good moment for me to be like, oh, that was a not good day. And then I called a friend, went out for a drink and I was like, so this is all the bad stuff that's happened to me. And they were like, great. Here's how we solve that. Anyways, mm-hmm. how are we doing? It was, it was the most beautiful feeling. I think almost to a certain extent, when we're in a, a rough spot in our life, we're sort of trained to to learn to be alone, like learn to handle your problems alone. And that's important. But it's also important to just like learn to ask for help and get it. Yeah. And, you know, the trick to that is... I didn't know there was a trick to it. Oh, there's a trick to everything, Robin. All right. Give me the trick. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's how do you help people without picking up their anxiety? Mm, that's an important skill. Yeah. So most people in moments of anxiety, like anxiety is, 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 is conducive. Correct. It wants to spread. Oh yeah. It's like the herpes of the mind. It's a, it's a virus. 110%. Right. <laughs> if one person in the room is anxious, that anxiety wants to jump to the next person as soon as possible. Everybody got cold sores. Every, and then everybody's <laughs> got mental cold sores. <laughs> so you got to put on your little mental condom. Right. Mental condom. Mental I condom. I see where we're going with this. Yeah, you see this? Wow, I thought today's episode was going to flop, but we're in mental condoms. No, we're in mental condoms, and we will be making small enamel pins of mental condoms. <laughs> Great. It'll be for sale at the <laughs> Earn Your Death gift shop. <laughs> Perfect. Which you'll get to at the end of the episode. Just at MoMA. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to be able to to help the friend who's asking for help. And notice I said friend and not just any random stranger on the street. Right. Because holy shit, we don't have the capacity for that. So much work. So uh, I need to be able to help you without you tossing your anxiety on me mm. and me accepting it. Right. When people present problems, do you respond in the, in the moment or do you let it sit for a little bit to deal with it? Well, the first thing you got to do is acknowledge the problem. Right. So my therapist actually gave me like the best sentence in the world for dealing with shit like this. All right. What is it? That sounds terrible. Right. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, that, that's a good question to ask. I feel like it's, it's tough to, on the receiving end to hear that, but it's good for the person who gives it. So I've acknowledged that you have a problem. I've acknowledged mm. that, it's pain, that it sounds painful and terrible. Right. And then I have very carefully kept it on your side of the fence. <laughs> what that's are smart. you going to do about that? That's a, that's a smart response. Because, you know... You got to be really careful when you open yourself up to like, give me all your anxiety. Sure. Because a lot of people will just like throw it at your feet and run away. Right. Which, is, you know, that happens a lot. I am very guilty of that. That happens I mean, a lot. 
I am incredibly guilty of that. Like, you know, I'll, you know, I, I, I'll wake up to messages like, yo, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Take my freak out. Take my freak out. Right. And you got to be like, nope. That's not my freak out. Nope. That's not my freak out. Yeah. I got my own freak outs to deal with that hmm. I'm, you know, trying to keep under control. Right. I, I do not have room for yours. Right. And I will, if I choose to help you work through your freak out, but I am hmm. not going to adopt it. That's a smart move. Your freak out is not Moses in a basket. I am not taking it. What is that reference? Moses in a basket. Do you not know your Moses stories? No, I, I, I skipped that part of grade school or church. So, so Moses showed up in a, in a basket in the, in the river. Oh, okay. Did you, are you not, are you not a fan of Charlton Heston movies? Uh, <laughs> I, I that's, literally, that's the other way to pick that up. Huh? Interesting. So the only way, so what you're saying here, if I'm, if I'm following along here, is the only way to get people to adopt my problems is to put myself into a river and, and kind of just hope somebody grabs me. And be Charlton Heston. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I just wrap myself in a blanket in, yeah. in the river and I just float until somebody decides that this is their problem. Right. So, you know, if you come to me with the problem, you come to me with the situation and, you know, first off, I got to decide, do I have the capacity to deal with this? Sure. Because if I take on, if I take on helping you with your situation and, and I'm not in a good place for it, I'm not doing either of us a favor. That's smart. So I say, well, okay, I can, I can help you. I can help you figure this out. Tell me what's going on. Why do you think that's going on? So, you, mm. you know, it's get Socratic on that shit and just so ask. You, so ask you end it, up being the therapist. Kind of, but at the same time, you got to be really careful with that shit because one, mm. you're not a trained therapist. Right. And two, you like, there's people who do that for a living. Right. That's, that's actually the same point, not one and two. Good. But a lot of times at like question number three or two, it's like, you need a therapist, sweetheart. Mm. Let's make some calls. Hmm. So it's really important to be able to tell people like, okay, what, what I am hearing is something that needs the help of a professional. Right. And I am not that professional. Hmm. And it would be shitty of me to attempt to solve a problem like that. Yeah. And I think the, the root here is that for as easy as it is to, to lean on friends, and I certainly did that this week where it was just like, who bad week got to lean on a friend. Uh, you can only lean on the friends who's, who are ready to handle that and, right. and know that that's not like just because somebody helped you back in March doesn't mean that they're going to be able to help you in whatever month we're in July. And, you know, you got to so, so mental problems come in different sizes, much like physical problems. Totally. Let's say that that you came up to me and say, hey, oh, shit, I got a splinter. When you said physical problems, I went immediately to dick size. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, I went to a piece of wood inside you, so. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. So let's say you come to me and say, hey, Mike, I got a splinter. Will you help me get it out? Mm. Oh, sure. Let's get some tweezers. Right. Let's see if we can get that out of there. That's something that, you know, is is within my range of physical problems to fix. Mm. But if you come to me and say, hey, Mike, I cut my thumb off. It's not in your range. It's like, okay, well, uh, let me call a cab and I will go with you to the ER because friends go with each other to the ER. 
Right. But that's the most help that I could offer you in that situation because the problem that you showed up with needs a professional. Yeah, I I, I 110% agree with that. So when somebody shows up with a mental issue like anxiety, the first step is asking yourself, is this a splinter or did they cut the thumb off? Right. Hmm. And if it if it's a splinter, well, all right, let's let's you know try to work this through, right? Which doesn't mean like fixing a splinter doesn't mean I take it out of my your thumb and put it in mine, right? So yeah, not, that's smart. I'm not adopting it, right? You're not gonna grab the piece of wood and get another splinter yourself, right? Yeah, really stretch that metaphor. That was that was good, man. I work the metaphors. Yeah, I think metaphors are the the most important bit of storytelling, in my opinion. I I think so too, because you know people all get wrapped up in their own shit and they can't see the forest through the trees anymore. Right. Well, metaphors also de-escalate depending on what type of metaphor you use. Right. Right. Um, which I think that's that's what makes them so strong. So, you know, when I talk to designers and they're in this situation and they can't figure out what to do in the situation because they can't because they can't get enough distance from it. Sure. One of the things I, I'll do is, OK, well, let's move this exact same situation over like two professional fields. Smart. All right. So. Let's let's put this same situation in a doctor's office. Right. And tell me what you think a doctor should do in this situation. Mm. This is why I use basketball metaphors all the time. Basketball metaphors work too. No joke. Did you ever watch the Kobe Bryant interview with uh, Ahmad Rashad? Like the one that was called The Interview? No, I didn't. So basically the, the deal is, is that uh, Kobe's two inter- injuries down and he's you know, nine months away from the game again. And Ahmad Rashad's like, look, you just had the Achilles and now you have the this injury. Like, how, why would you bother to come back? You've been doing this for so long. And Kobe was just like, I just wanted to see if I could. And Ahmad Rashad was like, really, that's it? And Kobe was like, yeah. And he was like, well, did you ever get ahead of yourself? And Kobe goes like, of course I got ahead of myself. When I do, that's when everything collapses around me. You can only do one small thing at a time. It's only one piece every day, and then you, and you move on. And that little piece has gotten me through fucking months at this point. It's my number one saving grace is basketball. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's such a beautiful moment. And it's not, you know, it's not a splinter. It's not the forest. It's just saying, like, waking up every day and, like, looking at your day and saying, this is what I can do today. And no matter what, you do that thing. Yep. I think that's the smartest thing anybody can do. Well, who who would have thought that Kobe Bryant would have had something intelligent to say to us today? Literally me. Every day I think about Kobe Bryant. There you go. It's the thing that we wake up to. You wake up to Kobe Bryant every day. I think about Kobe Bryant a lot. The good and the bad. And there's bad too, but everybody has bad and good. Not a fan. You're not a fan of Kobe? No, not really. All right. Yeah. But, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Did we accomplish anything today? Did we say anything real? Uh, did we don't adopt other people's anxiety yeah you're you're always going to have traumatic x that's fine you just look for the next x your portfolio is about what you want to do next not what you did before here's a question for you Mm -hmm. what if you framed it like that in an interview show up and be like what's up would you like to be my future x i don't think that's a good idea (laughs) i think that's how relationships work huh (laughs) oh my god but isn't it, isn't it kind of naive for designers to always be like, I'm looking for my next home. Like, you're going to sell that home. What are you doing? So what for an apartment? Get fucking real. You're looking for an apartment. One of the things I tell employees on their first day is at some point. Well, welcome. <laughs> Good. 
Glad you got that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. My job is to get you ready for the day you want to leave. Uh-huh. Ooh. That's lovely. Uh, you're not going to be here forever. Uh-huh. It would be weird if you were here forever. Right. Uh, I expect that no matter how well things go here, and I hope they go really well, if I hired the right people at some point, you're going to be bored. Right. And you're going to want a new challenge. Uh-huh. And I'm happy to help you find that challenge when that moment comes, as long as you're willing to tell me when that moment comes. Right. And as long as we're both walking into this with the agreement that someday you're going to leave. Right. And I think that the key thing here also is that you're never above the game, whatever this game is and the sort of world. I mean, I feel like designers are the most people who listen to this shit, but I'm sure that other people who aren't designers, um, whatever game, you're always in it. I, I like the idea of walking into relationships with that same attitude too. That's a, who. I mean, I, I welcome, do it. But. Welcome to our first, welcome to our first date. At some point we are going to have a gigantic fight and break up. Wow. Let's just acknowledge that that's coming. Wow. And our job here is to have as much fun between this moment and that moment right. as we can. Yeah. Maybe that moment is tomorrow morning. Maybe that moment is 15 years from now and we've made some kids. Everything's an apartment. Welcome to earn your death. <laughs> Let's acknowledge that neither of us is in this for the long haul. Yeah, I mean, woo, yeah. Yeah. We are great at relationships, sure. Robin. We are? I'm not. <laughs> Maybe. I don't I don't really think I am. I actually do think I am at this point because I'm very good at telling you everything you're going to hate about me. Uh-huh. And, I, and that, I think, is important. Um, I, uh, In any situation that I do, I, like, was one time a few years ago, I was, uh, I was talking to this new person who was working at my company. They're just started. They're coming from a different thing. I grabbed coffee with them, and I was like, How's it going? What are you working on? Do you like it? So on and so forth. And they'd been there for like three weeks at this point. I just looked at them and I was like, so what do you hate about your job? And like the look that they gave me when I asked that, it was just like, they were stunned that I asked it. And I was like, nothing's perfect. Even if you buy a house, you're going to wish you changed it. So what do you hate about it? And like, you're clearly in a position where you're compromising about that. And how do you feel about that? Like, I think, I think that's a fine question to ask. I, I think, yeah, I do. I think every, every first date should start with what do you hate most about yourself? Yeah. That's, that's everything. Like, and how do you see, how do you see me filling that hole? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not wrong. <laughs> because that's, what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're, we're both in a situation is like, this isn't perfect. That isn't perfect. We're in this together. You hate this. I love this. You love that. I hate this. Whatever this is. Nothing's perfect. Wow. This is a first date. I hate making decisions. And this person I just met made a really quick decision on what to eat. Let's get married. Done. Oh, my God. Done. I could tell you a life decision. Like, if you were like, should I do this, buy a home or this car? I can make that decision like that. But if somebody's like, do you want Chinese or Thai? I'm done for. That's the worst moment of my life. Oh, group eating decisions are just evil and vile I'll, i will walk away they're the worst yeah yeah uh, how do you feel about lebron i love lebron good how do i feel about him in, in la yeah i was wrong about that what were you wrong about what did you say last episode i said he was gonna go to philly but he went to la i'm glad he didn't go to philly mm. probably just i'm probably gonna upset a lot of people from philly yeah. but i think what's happening in philly right now is so interesting agreed I mean, I wanted him there, but yeah. I want to see it play out. I want to see it play out, you know. Yeah. So so here, this is for Philly fans, for Sixers fans. Yeah. The reason that Golden State is the way it is right now is because they grew that internal core. 
Right. Organically. Right. Like Clay, Steph, Draymond. All those dudes came up together. Draft picks. Draft picks. And they built that culture that other people could then come and join. Right. But there was a culture there to join. Mm -hmm. And I think that can happen in Philly. I agree. At this point, I definitely agree. Yeah. And then at some point, like, you'll get somebody who wants to join that culture. Mm -hmm. LeBron is not a culture joiner. He's a culture creator. Right. He's a leader. He is. Very much so. Yeah. And damn good at it from what, you know, from what we've seen. Like, look at look at the bunch of schlubs that he dragged to the finals last year. It's very, very true. But I think this is the first time that he realized uh, with this move, I think he decided that he wasn't going to make it next year. And he's OK with that because he's going to make it the year after. I think this move, and he says this and I believe it. I think this was a family move. Right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with the family move. Nothing wrong at all. Nothing at all. No. All right. I got to go. Hey, this was a weird, but great episode. They're all weird, Robin. I know. That's what life is. Have we had a non-weird episode? People seem to like it, though. Yeah, I know. It's really nice. It was good. You know You know what? So we're, we're starting to develop a, a little bit of a fan base. Are we? I think so. You know? All right. And uh, I'm going to ask that loyal fan base. All right. Tell your friends about us. That would be really nice. Get them listening. I'd love that. We're we're like a little gift that you can give to your friends. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Like, hey, there's this show about death you might like. Yeah, how we all die, and uh, it's okay because we got to do this one thing today. Right. This is really positive episode, Mike. I'm proud of us. I think you know, in their own weird way, they're all very positive episodes. Love you. See you next week or a week after or something like that. See you when I see you. See you when I see you. See you when I see you. Bye, Mike. Bye, Robin. Bye.